0: Welcome to the Tuesday Theology edition of the Scotts Hill podcast. At Scotts Hill, one of our core values is studying God's Word. So through this theology class, our goal is to equip our people with the right knowledge of God. Enjoy, and we hope that you grow in your knowledge of God and application of His Word. Tonight, let's get started. We'll start with a word of prayer, and we'll continue with the doctrine of the church uh, and looking at uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So let's pray together. Fathers, we come before you tonight, we thank you for your goodness, your grace. We thank you for uh, the work that you have done in our lives and that you continue to do in us. We thank you for uh, the, the Holy Spirit and the work that He does uh, within us and bringing that transformation in our lives that we might become more and more like our Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank you uh, that through the power of the Holy Spirit, you have gifted each one of us uh, in ways that are unique. Uh, and Father, that you desire to use us uh, in the life of your church, uh, that we might be a part of joining you in the work of transforming lives. So thank you for that. We pray that you guide us in our time together tonight. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. All right. Uh, you had a question in the personal review questions, and it was this. It says, uh, it was, um, as you looked at this, before reading the chapter... Uh, what spiritual gift or gifts did, did you think you had? Did you know your spiritual gifts? Had you ever done that? Yes? No? All right. All right. So you thought, did you come out of the, the reading? And of course, this, this session continues in the next chapter as well as it digs into the gifts more thoroughly. But uh, as you came through uh, reading this chapter, uh, did your understanding of your own spiritual gifts change in any way? Still pretty settled in, in what your gifts are? Fantastic. Uh, well, tonight we want to dig into the chapter and just look at the gifts of the Holy Spirit, really in this session dealing with just general questions. It was a pretty straightforward chapter, uh, was pretty simplistic And what it laid out in looking at the questions and answering them, Uh, but may have uh, a couple of things that come to mind and and made you give some uh, thought to as well. But we'll be looking at what are spiritual gifts, how many gifts are there, uh, have some of the gifts ceased to exist, uh, and how do we seek and how do we uh, use our spiritual gifts. And so... As we kind of dig into this, we just want to start uh, with questions regarding the, the Holy Spirit and the spiritual gifts. Uh, and we start by looking at the definition. And Grudem said this, a spiritual gift is any ability that is what? Empowered, Empowered by the Holy Spirit, all right, and used in any ministry of the church. Okay. So it's any ability that's empowered by the Spirit to be used in ministry of the church. Now, he said that that's a broad definition, and in that definition, it included both natural abilities uh, as well as miraculous gifts that come about as well, Uh, but... He said, as we think about that in the aspect of natural abilities, it's any of those things that are used in the edification and the building up of the body of Christ, right? So, God can use a a multitude of even natural abilities to benefit the body of Christ. And we'll even look at some of that later tonight. But as we looked at that, all the gifts of the Spirit are the, are the work of the one and the same Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit who gifts, gifts them to us and, and distributes them to the believer. Uh, and is for the use of the common good of the body of Christ, for the building up of the church. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 26. What then shall we say? Brothers and sisters, when you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation, but everything must be done so that the church may be what? Built up. So that the church may be built up. So all of us have been given gifts for a a purpose, and it's for the benefit of the body. Uh, Your gifts benefit the person sitting beside you. Uh, And and vice versa. So, our gifts are a benefit to one another. Uh, We looked at spiritual gifts, and he kind of moved through this, and he looked at spiritual gifts uh, through the history uh, of redemption, and he talked about the Old Testament. Was the Holy Spirit at work in the Old Testament? Okay. Not as prevalent as He is in the New Testament, or He is in the world today, correct? Correct. Uh, And so we see the work of the Spirit in the Old Testament, but we saw that it was in general less powerful than what we see in the New Testament and the start of the church, okay? And some of the things that he brought to mind is that we see that there was little effectiveness in in evangelism of the nations. Uh, When we look at the Old Testament, it's the establishment of what nation? The nation of Israel, okay? And God working and bringing up His people for the sole purpose of being a blessing to who? The nations, right? Uh, And that's going to come, especially as Jesus Christ comes on the scene, and then He commissions His followers to go and make disciples and to be witnesses to the uttermost parts of the world. And that's where the giftedness comes in, as God is using the gifts of His people Uh, to take the mission of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the nations and to benefit the church. So we saw that evangelism was less effective. Uh, There was no casting out of demons. Uh, Healing, he said, was uncommon. Now there are healings that are in the Old Testament, right? We see several, uh, but not as common as what we see in the New Testament and the healings that are taking place there. Uh, Prophecy was, was restricted in a way and there was little to no power over sin because of the work of the Holy Spirit. So we saw the sacrificial system being in place in the Old Testament. But as we move to the New Testament, Jesus... Before he goes to the cross, he speaks to his disciples and he tells them he's got to go away, but he's doing what? He's going to send the Holy Spirit, all right, uh, to be a helper, to be uh, one who will come alongside them, one who will teach them and lead them in the truth of the Scripture that will empower and equip them. And so we see that as Jesus goes to the cross, as He is buried and He is raised from the dead, uh, once He makes His appearance to the disciples, He ascends to the heavens. And after He ascends to the heavens on the day of Pentecost, what happens? The Holy Spirit comes down upon the people. And, and, and the Holy Spirit begins to do miraculous and wonderful things in the hearts and lives of the followers of Jesus Christ. And so we see that taking place. Now, this coming of the Holy Spirit, he said in our reading, was even prophesied by the Old Testament prophets. And one of the things that he showed us was coming out of Joel in chapter 228. He says, afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will see visions. Even on My servants, both men and women, I will pour out My Spirit in those days. And so we see that the coming of the Holy Spirit was prophesied in the Old Testament by the prophets and that when Jesus Christ completed His work on the cross and ascended to the right hand of the Father, that the Holy Spirit comes, and it's at that point that we see a widespread distribution of spiritual gifts. And we see that the New Testament writers speak of these spiritual gifts, give us listings of these spiritual gifts, and give us the purpose of the spiritual gifts. And that's kind of where we dig into tonight as we dig into the study. And so he moves on from looking at those things, and he leads and moves on to looking at the purpose of spiritual gifts. And he says this, that the purpose of spiritual gifts is the what of the church? The edification of the church, the building up of the church, all right, Uh, in the present time. So spiritual gifts are to come alongside and to come into the lives of believers to, one, edify the church, to build it up, to equip the saints, to empower the saints, to live on mission for Jesus Christ. And so that's the purpose of spiritual gifts. And that's why the the Lord has gifted us in the ways that He has, to join Him (laughs) In his work, all right, to be a part of what he is doing in this world. Some of the scriptures that he came, uh, one was was from 1 Corinthians one seven, and I find it interesting that uh, we find this in Corinthians chapter Corinthians chapter one verse seven, and Paul is writing to the church that is known for the most problems, right? <laughs> uh, to known to be the most fleshly uh, and carnal church. But he's writing these words. He says, therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for the Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. Then 1 Corinthians thirteen ten. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. Uh, Acts 1, 8, we know it. That you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and in uh, Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the world. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 12. So it is with you, since you are eager for the gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that built up the church. Uh, And in 1 Corinthians 1, 5, for in him you have been enriched in every way with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge. And so we see that the purpose of the gifts are the edification of the church, the building up of the church so that we can fulfill the purpose and the mission that God has for us. Now, he goes on in this and he says that the gifts aren't there just to equip the church, but they also give us a foretaste of a future kingdom. And the kingdom that awaits us in eternity, right? And so he points out that in several different ways. And he says, first, the Holy Spirit comes into our life as a deposit or a guarantee. All right. And what is he guaranteeing us? What's the Holy Spirit? He says he's a seal that we have been sealed by the Holy Spirit, that he is a deposit that he guarantees. What is the guarantee for us? All right. That we will inherit eternal life and everything that God has promised that what? All right. That we'll receive power. So, yeah. So we're looking at that future kingdom. You're right that we're going to receive this power and we have the seal of the Holy Spirit and the inheritance that awaits us is guaranteed because the Holy Spirit has laid the deposit for us. All right. He is our guarantee in that way. Uh, uh, as we look at that, Second Corinthians one twenty-two, the Holy Spirit set His seal of ownership on us and put His Spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Second Corinthians five five. Now, the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. And so the Holy Spirit guarantees us that future inheritance. <laughs> Ephesians talks about the inheritance that we have in Jesus Christ and all the spiritual blessings, but the deposit coming through the power and the work of the Holy Spirit. Right? When we think about the future kingdom, it says He also gives us a foretaste of wisdom and discernment. All right. Now we know in part. But when Jesus Christ comes and we are with Him in eternity, we will know in full. Right? <clears throat> So we have a, a foretaste of what's to come. God gives us wisdom. He gives us discernment. He gives us knowledge, but it's still limited, all right? Uh, we see as our face very dimly, right? Like you're looking in a mirror, as the Scripture says. But then we will know fully all things, right? As He is known, we will be known. So it's a foretaste of what is to come in eternity uh, in that way. But it's also, He says, a foretaste of unity, Right? The Holy Spirit has come, and the Scripture tells us that the Holy Spirit has come, and He has broken down the walls of division that are among people, right? Uh, And so those walls are broken down, but they're not completely broken down, are they? But one day they will be, all right? So you look at the Scripture of this, 1 Corinthians 12, 12 and 13, Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts from one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit so as to form one body, whether Jew or Gentile, slave or free, we were all given the one Spirit to drink. And then as it goes on in 24 and 25 of the same chapter, while our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has put the body together, giving great honor to the parts that lack, so that there should be no division in the body, but its parts should have equal concern For one another, for each other. Jesus Christ prayed that we would be what? One, right? Uh, But there's still a lack of oneness as we look around the world today even among the body. But one day we will, every tongue, every tribe, every nation, every people, those who are in Christ Jesus will be around the throne, worshiping Him together, and there will be complete unity. So where we do not experience that so much in this world today, we we can as a church, but even among the church, there's sometimes division, right? Uh, And sometimes lack of unity. We strive for unity, Uh, But in that day and in the future and in glory there will be perfect unity. It also says that the Holy Spirit brings a foretaste of maturity. All right, So when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, uh, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in our hearts and our lives and we begin this process of becoming mature in Christ. We are to grow in our faith. We are to grow in our understanding of who God is. We are to grow in our knowledge of Him. Uh, but still, we are never fully attained our full knowledge and maturity. But when Christ returns, we, be, we will be made fully mature in Him. And it says, Ephesians four thirteen Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That's not going to come until Christ returns. All right? We'll not reach... We're always growing, right? Sometimes we're not growing. Sometimes we're plateaued a little bit, right? But we're always to be moving up and growing in our relationship with Christ. But we'll never attain complete maturity in Christ until He is in our presence and we are with Him face to face. And so it gives us this foretaste of things to come. The Holy Spirit allows us to experience some things in this life that we look forward to, to a greater completion in the life to come. All right. Any questions on that part? Okay, all right. Uh, He goes on then and he he begins to ask the question, how many gifts are there? (laughs) We've got a whole bunch of lists, right? So if you look at page 398, we see all of these lists of the different gifts, all right, that are listed in Scripture. Some of them are on multiple lists. Not all of them are on every list. And so as we work through that, how many gifts of the Spirit are there? (laughs) We don't know, do we? Uh, it, It came out and said that really even with the list that we have, even in the Scripture, that it probably is not an exhaustive list of everything that is a spiritual gift, all right? But that Paul in his teaching is probably writing and the things that are coming to mind, he is writing down, right? And so some of these things come. Now, when Peter writes, he almost gives us two categories of gifts, right? What are those two categories, Okay, that of speaking and that of service. And, he, and as we look at that, Grudem even said that all the other gifts could be categorized under those two, Under those two, right? Gifts of speech and gifts of service, all right? And so as we look at that, you, you can kind of see that this may not be an exhaustive. If, if you go by the number, what was the number? 22, all right? 22, apart from the two in Peter... If you add those two, and that would be 24, but 22 on Grudem's list right here. But he says that all of those could fall under the two of, of concerning whoever speaks and those who render service. So it's not an exhaustive list. In, in the list that we see here, there's some things that aren't brought out because if we go back to the definition, it says any a spiritual gift is any ability What? Empowered by the Holy Spirit, right? Used in the building up of the church, the ministry of the church, right? So in these, I think back to the Old Testament, right? And I think all the way back to Exodus when when the when the nation of Israel is moving out and God begins to do a work, it says that the Holy Spirit comes upon some individuals and He uses them and, and He He gives them the abilities and the talents that they have to be used. <laughs> For the, for the benefit of the church, the building up of the church. Because remember when we looked at the nature of the church, we said it was the assembly of God, those who assembled to worship. And even that would be Old Testament, New Testament. But God brings up the people who are going to be the craftsmen uh, to build the temple, uh, to, to build all the pieces of the temple. So He brings up artisan and it says His Holy Spirit, His Spirit comes upon them in such a way that they lead out in that. Okay? Okay. So we can see that sometimes even gifts of talent or natural abilities God can use for the edification of the church and to build up the body, but these don't make the list. What would you classify them if we looked at something like that? So if you're an artisan artisan or a craftsman, all right, gifts of service, okay, exactly. Exactly. And so God is giving that ability and putting His Holy Spirit and using that uh, for the edification of the church. So uh, the the list is not quite exhaustive, uh, and so there are some gifts that that may not be on the list, okay, Uh, as we look at that. Any question about that? All right. As you did spiritual gifts inventories and you tried to discover your gifts in years past, these were the lists that you probably worked off of, correct? Correct. And so you try to determine where I am in, in, in those things, right? In leading a class on spiritual gifts in the past and, and looking at that, we used some material uh, that was was developed by uh, some of the leadership at Saddleback in years past. But one of the things that they looked at discovering your spiritual giftedness and your ministry within the church, and they, they spell it out in this way that... In discovering your ministry, you want to discover your shape. And a lot of things play into how you utilize your giftedness within the body. Spiritual gifts was just one of those things, okay? So how God gifts you is important for your use of your spiritual gift, but there's other things that come to play. And as that study lays out, uh, the things that you may also look at as as your heart, or what is your passion? What really fires you up? What what generates joy in your life and in your heart to do service in the ministry of the church? Uh, What are the natural abilities that God may have given you? And are those things that you can use in the life of the body and service to others and the building up of the church? Uh, How has God wired you? What's your personality? You know, not everyone is an outgoing extrovert, right? And we're not all supposed to be. Uh, It's okay to be an introvert, and God can still use you in that giftedness uh, and and what you can do within the church, and you can still be used in that way. Uh, But also your life experiences. The things that you have gone through in your life are vitally important, and you can draw back on experiences in your life as you minister to the needs of those around you. Because you may be experienced, somebody right beside you may be going through something that you have walked through in your own life. And you can pull from that and and use that as a gift of service and of help in in the life of the church. And so knowing how God has shaped you and wired you is important as you think about your spiritual giftedness and how you want to utilize that within the body. Okay? Um, As we kind of walk through this, it was said multiple times, but there was just this general assumption that people knew what their gift was. I mean, the thing that came out through the reading was that Paul and them were saying, look, use your gift, right? He he really wasn't telling them how to discover it. It was like, hey, you've been gifted, now use your gift. And it wasn't going through this whole process. Paul didn't write the churches and say, here's your spiritual gifts inventory. If you'll take this 90-question exam and answer one to five on how it is, you'll discover your spiritual gift. They were just looking at how God had made them and wired them and were using their gifts in the work of the church. And so we see that as a beautiful thing. Now, he goes on to say that gifts may vary in strength. All right? So um, what are some of the things, as we looked at that, what are some of the things, and I think the question came out, Um, number three in your review question, what evidence is there that spiritual gifts vary in strength from person to person? Uh, where do we see that playing out and how does, how does that come to play? She is in actuality. She's a teacher also. Okay. All right. So, a lot of things played into the, the uh, levels of ability. One might be giftedness uh, and, and, and using that giftedness. One might be where you are in life because it, going back to that, uh, he, he looked to the Deuteronomy uh, chapter six passage that's instruction to, to parents and, and the community around that we're to be giving instruction. Uh, to our children, as we, you know, as we are at home, as we walk along the way, basically, as we live life, we are teachers, and so we're always leading someone. Uh, and you know, for as as we kind of came up and with our kids, some of our best teaching time was drive time to school, uh, times when you had them captive. Uh, those became good teaching times, but that's where parents can can figure out, okay, this is my opportunity to pour in and disciple and to lead uh, in these times and using all those opportunities. So you're right, uh, it does. It's also a, por- uh, a pr- the strength of a spiritual gift is also appropriated to one's what? Their level of what? Their, their faith, all right? So it, it's to their level of faith in accordance with your faith. So it says in Romans twelve six we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith, all right? Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 11, all these are the work of one, the same Spirit, and He distributes to each of them just as He determines, but it's in accordance with our faith. So, someone who's been, let's say someone does have the gift of teaching, all right? And there's a, a person with the gift of teaching that has been walking with the Lord for 40-something years and has deployed and developed that gift over time And has has mastered that gift of teaching, but someone who is new in the faith, maybe a few years, but they have determined that they have the gift of teaching, but their level may be different because they are at different levels in their maturity and different levels in their faith. All right? And so that can determine. What else can determine uh, our effectiveness or the strength of our gift? We might do what with our gift? Paul tells Timothy not to do what with his gift. What? Don't waste, Don't waste it or neglect it. All right. So he says do not neglect your gift. All right. Uh, it's kind of the use it or lose it kind of mentality. Now we're not going to lose our spiritual gift but it might become dormant in our life. Right. So we're to kind of exercise it. We're to develop it. If we know what our gift is we to find opportunities to, to grow that gift inside of us. All right. So if, if I have the gift of teaching I might not jump into teaching doctrine class, right? But where might I learn to develop that gift? All right, through a small group, taking on opportunities. Sunday school. All right, in an equivalent of Sunday school class. We all know what that is. So Sunday school class, all right, standing, teaching, maybe with young, with youngers. How many of you, um, how many of you lead an adult class now? okay. How many of you, if you lead an adult class, adult small group, something like that, began doing that with children or students at some point in your life? Okay, uh, you know, the same was same was true for me. So you 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 kind of figure this gifting out, and then the Lord helps you develop. But I remember, you know, my faith in Christ was growing. I was looking for opportunities to serve, and they saw chomp across my forehead, and um, and. They said, hey, we need somebody to work with elementary age boys in this thing called RAs. And uh, what that really meant is don't allow them to tear the room up uh, for 20 minutes and then take them out to the basketball court. Uh, and so if we could survive 20 minutes, we did good. But that was my first opportunity to, to be in, at a place of giving some instruction. Uh, and from that, it moved on to leading middle school kids and discipleship training, discipleship courses. And from there, it led to a call to ministry. And from there, it led to many other things. But it's finding that area of giftedness and looking for ways to develop that in your own life. Um, not just sitting on it. Not just neglecting it. Okay? Uh, and so, those are there. We found that there, there's the human side, and that's the neglect. But, you know, God's given us the gifts uh, he has he has given it to us uh, and now it's up to us to to find that gift and to develop it and, and to use it in the life of the church um, question came is when do we recognize a normal ability as a gift you know and that was the thing uh, the normal ability is where he brought that aspect of teaching that uh, we all have that um, we all may at times we may not you know, have the gift of healing, but He gave the example that who of us at times has not had a prayer request come and we've prayed for the healing of of someone and, and we've seen God do a miraculous work in that way. And so we've joined in that work. And so, you know, as things develop, you know, we can see, okay... How many times do I pray for someone's healing and it happened and I determine, oh, maybe God's <laughs> gifted me in such a way or in that way. But you kind of just use and develop the gifts over time. Uh, but you do that in service to others, uh, knowing that my gift is for the benefit uh, of the body of Christ. Uh, do we all receive the same gift? Okay. Uh, but many of us in this class may have the same gift, right? But we don't all have the same one. Some of us may have multiple gifts. How many of you know that God has gifted you in multiple ways? Okay, all right. Uh, And so you may have multiple gifts that you use, uh, but we don't all have the same one, but the gifts are given so that we benefit one another. Uh, Your gift is in service to to the body, and and we are the body. And so as you utilize your gift, I benefit from it. As you use your gift, uh, you know, others in this room benefit uh, as I use my giftedness, hopefully you benefit uh, from the use of the giftedness. So a gift is not given to all, but we utilize them for one another. Uh, now he came to this aspect of discovering and seeking uh, spiritual gifts. And on this, it was the emphasis, that I spoke about it just a moment ago, on using your gifts more than it is on discovering them. And Paul is just over and over at times, Romans 12, 6-8 um He spells it out. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, prophesy in accordance with your faith. If serving, uh, serve. If teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Uh, And then 1 Peter 4.10, it's great. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God, of God's grace in its various forms. Uh, So we've been given this gift, and now it's up to us to utilize it uh, and to use it within the body of Christ. Um, It's up to us at times to help you determine ways that you can utilize your gifts, all right? Uh, But sometimes it comes to you. Uh, Sometimes an idea comes across your mind, and you go, I think I could use this in a way that would glorify God and that would benefit the church. And you come and say, what about this ministry opportunity or this ministry idea? And hopefully we will be able to resource you so that you can lead out in your area of giftedness to the glory of God and it would be a benefit to the body of Christ. Uh, Is it okay to seek other gifts? What did he say? Okay, he said yes It's okay to seek other gifts. Uh, In seeking additional gifts, what were the steps? One of the questions dealt with the steps that you should take if you're seeking other gifts. What were the steps that you should take if you are to seek other gifts? Okay, so ask God. We pray. All right. Do what? Uh, Okay, have the right motives. What should be our motive at all times? Glorify God and, and and God's love and the love that we have for others should motivate us as well. So our motive should be centered in love. All right, uh, but you know, it gave us some examples. You know, we looked at um, we looked at Simon the sorcerer in, in Acts chapter eight. Uh, he wanted the gifting the giftedness of the Holy Spirit for what? Okay, his own personal interest, his own personal edification, okay? So his motive was wrong in that. So our motive needs to be right. Uh, then thirdly, he said, as we seek other gifts, uh, what should we do? Use what have. Okay, use what we have. So do not neglect the gift that God has given us. But as we seek other gifts, then we should look for opportunities to use that to use that gift, right? So may not have the gift of teaching right but it is a is it a gift to be desired okay he even said I he, look if if you want to move to the greater gifts I encourage you you know to move to the ones that are giving instruction the ones that you're teaching and, and proclaiming the truth right and so he says I you know pursue those greater gifts but in the meantime you do not neglect the gift that God has given you so it's if it's that of service and helps then You want to continue to serve and to help. Uh, If it's showing mercy, you want to continue to show mercy, but God may give you opportunities to teach. All right, Let's just say, God, I'm praying that you will help me develop the gift of teaching. God opens up an opportunity and someone comes to you and says, Hey, would you be interested in teaching this class? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know about that. Uh, what, What do you do? You step into that. You look for ways that you can use that gift in service to the Lord and for His glory. And so it is okay as long as we approach things with the right motives and we move so in in that way. Ultimately, who determines our giftedness? Okay, God. Do we have reason or means to be upset if we don't have the gift that we think we should? No, because God has gifted us and He knows, He knows us better than anyone, right? And so He is going to gift us in such a way that He can receive the most glory and that we can be the most effective in His kingdom work. And so we trust in that and we lean into that and we seek Him in ways that we can deploy that gifts in ways that bring Him honor and glory, okay? Um, let me look through this, because I'm getting off my notes and hopefully you're filling in the blanks as I go. But uh, I walk... Uh, You had not had any blanks. I try not to put many blanks for you, okay? So um, he moved on then, and he asked this question in the review questions, and it was question five. Um, And he says in the the review questions for personal application, do you think that some spiritual gifts mentioned in the New Testament ceased early in the history of the church and are no longer valid uh, for the church today? All right cause he kind of dives into this thing of the question have some of the gifts ceased how many of you feel like some gifts have ceased okay all right he he, he says that there's people that there's people that are believers who are in in, in all kind of camps on this right so there's people who, who tend to believe that there are, there's been a cessation of gifts. There, those tend to be reformed in theology, sometimes dispensationalists that uh, this age is past. okay So they believe that these gifts kind of ended with the Apostolic age, all right. But then there's another who believed that all these gifts uh, are going to be used and, and he's going to point us to that in just a minute all the way up until the return of Christ and he gives great scriptural evidence of that, all right? And then he gives the people who are kind of the in-betweeners who just don't know. You know, we just don't know. Uh, And so he says we kind of all fall into these camps. Uh, But he points to the passage of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which is the what chapter? The love chapter. All right. And he points to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 as being the one that is debated over whether or not these gifts are still in use today. All right. And he goes in this and he says in in verses 8 through 13 love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part. And verse 10 is his hinge point in his teaching. But when the perfect comes, and the perfect is what? And who? Jesus. All right. When the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. When? When is the then? Okay. Upon Jesus' return. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully. We talked about that earlier. Even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Okay, so He hinges that on, on verse 10, and He hinges that uh, on verse 12. Then in, in Revelation 22, 3, and 4, He brings this up. No longer will there be any accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and His servants will worship Him, and they will see Him face to face, and His name will be on their forehead. So, He's talking about the presence of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 1, 4-8, I always thank God because of His grace given in Christ Jesus. For in Him you have been enriched in every way, with all kinds of speech, with all knowledge, God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Therefore you do not lack any spiritual gift, as you, what? Eagerly await the Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. And He will also keep you uh, firm until the end, so that you will be blameless on the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, according to Grudem, and he's making the pitch, and his pitch would be What? that the gifts are going to be used from when? Day of Pentecost to the return of Christ throughout the church age, right? And so that's what he is he is holding to, all right? And why why do some why do some believe in the cessation of gifts? Go ahead, Jay. Oh, I... <laughs> Go ahead. For
1: example, They start with Thus says the Lord. Okay. I've got a whole copy of Thus says the Lord. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, the, the defining what prophecy is is important. If you read Grudem, he doesn't think of it that way, but mm-hmm. I don't have any biblical context to think of it the way Grudem does. Okay. And then when he talks about 1 Corinthians 13, he uses the passage, but then he equates the, it says, Love never ends, as for prophecies, they will pass away, and he interprets as for prophecies to be a gift of prophecy mm-hmm. instead of a collection of prophecies which when Christ comes again it's all fulfilled. I have no need of looking forward to anything because it's already it's there. Mm-hmm. So the prophecies pass away. Um, and I don't think that's a reference to a spiritual gift. Okay.
0: All right. So great great understanding, great acknowledgement of why he believes in the cessation of gift and James is given that, okay. Uh, there will be many people who fall into the camp of believing that the gifts went away with the apost- Some of the gifts went away with the apostolic age. The gift of prophecy. Why? Why is there a, a kind of um, and and you alluded to it. His 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 interpretation of prophecy and yours differ. Okay, uh, but why is this aspect of prophecy? Uh, one that a cessationist would say no longer exists. And and James kind of alluded to that. But what's the danger? What would a cessationist say the danger of someone being, that prophetic gift being in the church today, what's the danger of that gift? It yeah. Okay, it would undermine the sufficiency of Scripture. All right, would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, I think, uh, so I listened uh, at one point in time, I know it's been a while, but Alistair Begg. Uh-huh. A really interesting perspective because he actually had a lot of experience with charismatic, the modern charismatic, Mm -hmm. and the way he characterized it was if one of his charismatic friends came to him and said, you know, I have a, I have a prophetic word for you, and they went into prayer, and the prayer involved essentially the quotation of scripture, and I think his example was uh, one of the Psalms. You know, if you delight in the Lord, He will give you the desires of your heart. He'd be, he'd be okay with that Mm -hmm. in the sense that, okay, you've just quoted scripture to me. Mm -hmm. But then again, I didn't really need your prophecy because I have the Scripture, but it's okay. But if you come to my house and you say, I have a prophetic word for you, and you give me something that's not in Scripture, then you know, then we have a problem. So I guess that becomes the question. You know, If you can prophesy something that's not in Scripture, that's the
0: amygdala issue. And, and, and the question comes then, as we look at that, you know... Uh, in this continuation of prophecy today, challenge the sufficiency of Scripture, Grudem would say that it, it does what? It, it does not, right? If, because what's going to be the guide? The, the Scripture. So he would, Grudem's argument, and I'm not saying that, so Grudem's argument would be that even the New Testament church, when prophecy was being used, it still had to stand up to the, and be subject to what? to the Scripture, is what He's saying. So, even today, if there's a prophetic word, it still has to come under and be subject to the revelation that we do have in the Scriptures, right? And so, it needs to be subject to the Scriptures. If it's contrary to the Scriptures, then what do we need to do with it? Because He he says that we're to test those things, right? And so, we're to put that away is not a prophetic word. Now, He gives examples of some of the prophetic things that took place. And when he talks about he goes on down uh, and he talks about does the prophetic word have to be in relation to uh, Scripture and bringing on Scripture. And he he gives some examples of when that did not happen, right? Uh, So it's not always the case. Uh, So he's arguing his point there. And he even talks about uh, when, uh, he talks about when, Paul is is being told how he's going to be uh, led away. Uh, He's talking about, um, you know, don't treat prophecies with contempt, but test them, hold to what is good. We're going to know that by the Scripture. Uh, And so, you kind of can fall into both places. How many have seen, and here's where he goes with this. When we hold to some of the more miraculous gifts, okay... The argument for some was there, that there becomes a danger. One, the danger that uh, we no longer hold to the sufficiency of Scripture that we're holding to this Word, all right? But I'm always to, to let the Word of God guide me, okay? So if that's contrary to the Word of God, I'm not going to, to abide by it or adhere to it, all right? But he says that there you know, could be other dangers and other misuses or abuses of gifts, He goes on to say this, that just because there's an abuse of the gift does not mean that the gift is not what? It's not valid. He just says, doesn't mean that the gift is not valid. All right? Um, I grew up more hearing of a a cessationist view. All right? But I've also seen and heard uh, where God utilizes gifts of people in different ways that are outside the box of my thinking that I can't explain. Okay, so I have heard of people who are in foreign countries who begin to speak in a language they do not know, but it is a tongue of people who are in their audience. That to me is speaking in tongues. It's an, it's a, it's an intelligible language that the person who does not know, but it's for the benefit of the audience, right? Uh-huh. And I mean like they speak six or eight uh-huh. languages fluently. I can't do that. Uh-huh. And I see that as a gift either natural or supernatural that they could use to glorify the church. That's just how I see it. And he was the gentleman that over here was talking about prophecy. I, I think you would have to define for me in detail what you consider prophecy is prophecy a foretelling of a large event, or could it be something like, don't get the car today? You know, don't go driving through, don't go to D.C. today, or something like that. I, I just, I want to know, define, is prophecy for large and the whole body of Christ, or just individuals, or, that's my question. I,
1: I have a small definition. That I mean, you're not gonna find a verse that says this is the definition. Yeah. So it, Take this for what it's worth. I think you define prophecy as um, God's present word for God's present people. So when, he, when you heard prophecies in the Old Testament, God was speaking something to his people. Um, whenever you had the, uh, the prophetic office of the apostles being carried out in, in the church era, they were giving God's present word. But what were they doing? They were recounting what they had seen and heard. Because there's a big difference between a prophecy in New Testament versus Old Testament. They're either quoting Old Testament scripture or they're telling them what they've seen and heard. You know, Paul, I, I find it interesting too, like the gifts, so we think about natural gifts. And we're like, okay, this must be my spiritual gift. But then Paul even tells us he's not even good at speaking. And yet, maybe one of the best evangelists <laughs> the world's ever seen. So then you get to the point of, okay, if it is a gift, um, does it have to be natural? And even if it's not natural, it can still be a gift because God empowers it or makes yeah. it happen. But, but prophecy, yeah, I, that's my definition that I that I would really use is His present word is His present people, which means that if you were to someone to say I'm prophesying, that they're giving God's present word to His present people You're In the church, right? And no. and somehow using something that you can't find in God's word, then I guess that's uh, the difficulty for.
0: It, d- you have something to say. Say it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm trying to put my I'm trying to put my thought together on it. Does God put in our spirit, and and can the spirit would that be a prophecy or a discernment? And, or discernment. Okay, yeah, and, discernment. And, and so and so does he give us wisdom? Does he give us wisdom and discernment? on certain matters, and and can the Spirit quicken our heart in such a way that it's not a prophetic word, but it's a, God's put a check in my spirit today, be my, yeah, I, yeah. So I, that, that's kind of where I was coming with that, all right? Uh, so as this, you know, uh, the ch- would, would, would the continuation of prophecy challenge sufficiency of Scripture? Some would say Yes. So the cessationist would say yes, uh, that you know, to allow words from God uh, would make the, the scripture uh, ineffective. it would be adding to the scripture uh, or to compete with the scripture. Uh, but then he goes on, charismatic he goes on charismatic or Pentecostal view is that it's usually the same as New Testament churches or what he would say, that the congregational prophecy did not have authority, of Scripture, but it came subject to Scripture. So there's the difference, okay? Uh, I love where he gets toward the end of this chapter. (laughs) There's things that we can learn from each other. (laughs) And there's things that we can grow from each other. Yes? Yes? Exactly, and I think that's where we that's where that's where James would come from. Is that you know sometimes they're putting their prophetic thought above what God's word would say, and that is wrong. And that's the abuse uh, or the wrong use of the gift. And that's where the danger is. And that's what we have to be careful of. And that's where we have to be discerning to say, okay, I'm going to test that word up against what Scripture is and see how it plays out. But also, and what he even dealt with is that some will use this prophetic word as more guiding in their life than the Scriptures. And what's to be our guide in our life? The Scripture. scripture. And so, in that case, the prophetic word would be usurping the, the, the sufficiency of the Scripture in that way. Yes, Uh, an example of what misuse of that gift would be? Somebody adding or subtracting their one gift,
1: and, and then somebody with discernment saying, no, that's not scriptural. Okay, here. So we, we have a small group down in, in uh, South Florida, and there are people from a lot of different cultures down there. And there a couple, one of the couples we had in our group, a uh, uh, young lady would start out, I got a word. Look, I wanted him to do. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, we had to go through this study to uh, understand that uh, that was a stretch. Mm-hmm.
0: So, I mean, that's, but you see that in a bigger way in other churches as well. Yeah. So I, I have a word from God, and you need to do this. <laughs> <laughs>
1: would be a good example of that, where they have a new, you know, the New Testament of Jesus or whatever they claim for it to be, but they say that it's, you know, scripture and it's
0: so, not it's yeah. added yeah. to yeah, added what now? To the yeah.
1: It's considered direct revelation. Yeah. I think, yeah, that's, uh, it's not, I don't think it'd be considered prophecy, but, uh, you know, in a lot of Pentecostal circles, you, you ever seen a Pentecostal prayer circle? I mean, it's a, uh, Somebody is praying, you have no idea what they're saying. And in fact, uh, they have no idea what they're saying.
0: Yeah, there, there's, a, there's the, the, the speaking of tongues. Like I said, I would equate it with being... The Spirit came on, on the, the believers at the day of Pentecost and they spoke in languages that people knew and heard and understood, right? And many people came to faith and many people were baptized. That has been seen on the mission field. Somebody like me who barely can speak good English, right, goes on the mission field and the Spirit comes on them and I began to speak. This has not happened to me, but, and I began to speak and people hear and understand the gospel of Jesus Christ and their lives are changed, all right? That to me is the speaking in tongues of the way I see it in a good way. Now, Paul even speaks about it at times, there being prayer languages, Right. And some people utilizing prayer languages, but the, what is the benefit of, to the body? None. So he says, "Look, it'd be great if you all did that, but the better gift, the better gift is, is to speak truth, right, and, and and to lay the truth out to people and to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ." I remember the first time I went to a I went to a gospel a gospel sing. And there was a whole group beside me. And all of a sudden, this commotion started out. And I didn't... I grew up in a Southern Baptist church. I had never in my life seen anything <laughs> like this in, 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 in the world. And I, it was kind of alarming and scary. I just thought they had gotten a bad taco or something. I really didn't know what happened. But things, were, things got really weird and off the rails really quick. And I thought that did nothing for the... For the good of the evening. All right? So if there's a prayer language that someone has, and that's between them and God, I think that's between them and God. But what is the use in the edification of the body? Where does that edify the body? And to me, the gift of tongues has been more in God using someone, not knowing the language to proclaim the gospel to someone who could hear and receive. Um, I may be wrong in that. That's just been the way that I've interpreted that. I've seen the other. I've not understood the other, and no one was there to tell me what they were saying. And so, you know, if there's not an interpreter, uh, what is what is you know what is the good of that? Many people would ascend to the, having that giftedness for what purpose? Some believe it's a more it's a greater gift. And so, if I can speak in tongues, who's getting the glory on that? The night that I saw it and when I've seen it exhibited in that kind of environment, God wasn't, I wasn't giving God glory in that. I was more taken back by it, okay? So, so you kind of just have to be careful in that understanding. And that's, you know, where we are. But I know that God still utilizes people in certain situations to get His gospel to those who need to hear. All right? And so I can't put Him in a box and say that that's completely gone in my life. I can't because I know that God has done it and there's been testimony of it on the mission field. So I can't say that that gift has completely ceased because I can't put God in that box. God determines the giftedness and He will utilize them in His purpose and His ways. And so I have to know and understand. So I can't can't be hardline on that one because I don't know how God may use that in the days ahead in a way that will bring many people to faith in Jesus Christ. Does that, does that make sense? And I, that's just been my kind of understanding on, on the gift of tongues in that way and what that is. Um, you know, the miraculous gifts only accompanied Scripture. Uh, the miraculous gifts, He gave many reasons that they were, they were there. They, authentic, to, they authenticate the gospel throughout the church age. Uh, They give help to those in need, thereby demonstrating God's mercy and love. They equip people for ministry. They glorify God. I think that's the key on all of them is they were there to glorify God. Okay. Uh, As you kind of move through this, is it dangerous for a church to allow the possibility of miraculous gifts today? What, What was the danger of it? That there's a thought that things could become what? Out of balance or crazy. I, I, he used the word imbalance. He didn't use the word crazy. He said imbalance. So, so things could become imbalanced where there's more attention given to these kind of sensational gifts than there is to being sound in doctrine and teaching and being effective evangelists and going about the mission and the ministry and the work of the church. Right. So we can become imbalanced. Right. Um, and so he says that can, is, is a danger. However, he says this, all churches are in danger of becoming unbalanced in different areas of emphasis, right? So, so you can be a church, and we even talked about this when we looked at the nature of the church. You can be a church that we are to be witnesses for Christ, but we can be so... There can be a church that is so uh, determined for sound doctrine and teaching that they neglect evangelism, Right? There can be a church that is so set on evangelism that they neglect sound doctrine. And so churches can come in balance at all different points and ways. So we just have to be careful that we keep the... The main things, the main things, and we do the things that God has put and commissioned us to do. So we know that He has commissioned us to be witnesses. He, we know that He has He has called us to to grow and mature in our faith. Uh, we know He has called us to worship and to prayer, and and so we know the things that He has called us to do as a church. We live in those areas. So there may be times where we say, you know what? Maybe we're not being as effective at being in our community as we need to be and, and, and telling others about Christ. So what, we, what do we do? We may need to turn up the heat in an area, and we may need to rally our people to understanding of what God has called us to do in our community uh, in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. So at times you have to just turn the flame up on things, right? So that we get them going. Uh, but he says, um, "...the good thing to ask are spiritual gifts being used in accordance with Scripture." are adequate steps being taken to guard against the dangers of abuse. His final note uh, is cessationists and charismatics need each other. Uh, we are all part of the what? Body. body of Christ. We are all part of the body of Christ. And you know, just because I d- don't understand uh, another person and maybe what is going on with them doesn't mean that they're any less a Christian than I am. All right, And the same God who saved me and delivered me is the same God who saved and delivered them. And so I may be able to learn some things from them when it comes to, to things of the Spirit and how to be more engaged with the Holy Spirit and not be afraid of it. All right, But there may be things that they can learn from the cessationists as well. So cessationists generally have good understanding of Christian doctrine, spiritual disciplines, deep and accurate understanding of the teachings of Scripture. That would be true. But he says the Charismatic and Pentecostals generally have a more practical experience in the use of spiritual gifts and in the, in the vitality um, in worship. And so how do we utilize those in worship? And that we can learn from the two. Um, I also equate it that we're just different. We're just different as well. And so I, I have to ask the question is, you know, can I learn something of how to be more involved and engaged with the Holy Spirit when I worship? Yeah, I probably can. Can I learn to be more free? You know, can people learn to be more free in their worship? Sure they can. Loosen up a little bit, you know. It's okay. I'm not, I'm not too much of a hand raiser. Every now and then you may see me. If, you, if you've if seen me do that, you know that Spirit got me that day, all right. Now, I'm not a this person. <laughs> I'm, I'm a this person, all right. Uh, but you know, I'm afraid to go there. <laughs> uh, you know, so we. Ha- but I can learn to be more free in my worship, to be more expressive in my worship, and I. I think that's where uh, for the charismatic and the Pentecostal, they 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 feel more free to be more expressive in their worship. I think that's the value that we can gain from them of how can I engage with my God on a level that I can just let loose and be expressive and and declare, God, this is how much I love you. I'm letting go of what the people around me think. And I know my hands right in their face. Right. Uh, I'm letting go of these things. But I just want to express myself in total love and abandonment to you. So help me learn those things. But then for those who have that free expression, it's not all about expression. It's also about wisdom and knowledge and discernment and growing to maturity. So we have to have both, right? And so we, we walk together in unity. We learn from one another and, and, we, and we move together to the glory of God. I think that's the beauty of it all. Uh, next week you'll learn more about spiritual giftedness. Hopefully learning more about your gift and how it can be used and utilized within the body of Christ. Um, great questions. It's okay to be in different places of understanding. I think that's the beauty of who we are in Christ, right? Is that God is at work in all of us and, uh, and we need to learn and encourage one another along the way so that we all, um, all grow uh, into the likeness of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and uh, we glorify Him in our lives. So thank you. Great dialogue. I appreciate that tonight. Uh, great. Uh, go back, reread the chapter. We're not all going to agree with Grudem uh, and, uh, and all that he says. Uh, we're not all going to be at the same place in understanding, and that's okay. That's why we're in the class together so that we can grow in our understanding and knowledge of what God uh, wants us to know and understand. Any other statements or questions? Where's your question answered? You Mark... Mar- was your question? Did we? Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good. Very good. I, I, I thought. I thought. We really <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought we. I thought we circled back there and got it taken care of. But I wanted to make sure uh, that we did. All right. Uh, it's been great to see. you, It's been great to be a part of this uh, class. And uh, hopefully, uh, my. Uh, my inadequacies of teaching have been a blessing to you at times. And uh, sometimes these are, these are deep things, right? Uh, and sometimes we won't come to a full understanding, uh, even as we read and study, and we have to continually go back. And there's some things that uh, I hope that you come through and early in the study. Uh, is it Deuteronomy 22, I hope you understand that some things we're just not going to know until we get in His presence. Uh, And there's some things that our little finite peanut brains, uh, we just have a tendency to and a hard time to wrap our mind around the things of God. And there's a reason. uh, Because He's God and we ain't, right? And uh, so we just rest in Him and trust in Him in that way. But uh, thank You for Your presence here. Let's pray and we'll get You on Your way. Fathers, we come before You tonight. We thank You uh, for who You are. Father, we thank You that... um, You have loved us uh, with an everlasting love. Uh, You have saved us. You have redeemed us. All of us have a story to tell of how you have worked in our hearts and our lives, and we thank you for that. Father, you have made us all different. You have gifted us in various ways. Uh, But Father, as we kind of think about the ways that you have made us and shaped us and wired us and gifted us, may we seek you in a way that we will employ and deploy our gifts in such a way that it will bring you glory and that your church will be lifted up and edified. Father, may we bring honor and glory to the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, in the way that we go out and we utilize uh, the giftedness that you have given us. And may it always point back to you and not to ourselves. So bless us in our time together tonight as we go our ways. Would you just bless each and every person here. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope that this
1: teaching has enriched your understanding of God. If you found this teaching to be helpful, share it with your friends and family on social media and tag us at Scotts Hill. Till next time.